In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Why is it that you can only become an agnostic, which means reader, at the age of 16 or over? According to the canons of the apostles, the rank of agnostic, which is a reader, not only be able to read, but also to interpret the scripture, the ability to read and to interpret the scripture. So usually we only ordain uh, readers, those who are Sunday school servant, because when you are a Sunday school servant, you also interpret to your class the uh, scripture. And younger than this, the ability to interpret is not uh, there. That's why we agreed to make the rank of reader at the age of 16 and above uh, in order to be able not only to read but to interpret the scripture. Clear? How do you know if monasticism is for you? And I recommend Ninta to focus on your relationship with God uh, in uh, younger age. And make God is your only goal. And at the end, when you are ready to make a decision, whether it is monasticism or marriage or consecration, you need actually to pray that God show you the way in which you will grow spiritually. For example, if you feel that having a partner in your life, a spouse in your life, will help you in growing up spiritually, supporting you spiritually, uh, you feel that there is a strong need for companionship, then marriage will be your way. If you feel that you want a solitary life, you grow more, when you are isolated from people and only focused with God, then marriage is not your way. It can be either a celibate, consecrated servant or a monastic um, in the monastery. The difference between the two ways, one is a life of contemplation and the other is a life of service. So if you feel that you want to serve people, you grow, through communication with people, serving people, bringing them to God, then your way is consecration, like consecrated sisters or consecrated deacons, a brotherhood like uh, in the Diocese of Los Angeles, they have St. Paul Brotherhood for those who want to be a consecrated deacons, celibate consecrated deacons. If you grow more spiritually in contemplative life, you like just to spend your time in reading, contemplation, reflection, solitary with God, uh, praises, liturgies, uh, not serving, but just contemplative, then monasticism is your way. There is a, a very good book written by His Grace Bishop Metaos, the abbot of Lusiran Monastery, called uh, Sublimity of Monasticism. And I recommend if ever anybody considering monasticism to read this book, it gives you an idea how do you know whether this is your way or not. 
how the daily life of a monastic look like. Uh, also visiting monasteries uh, several times uh, frequently and try to, to spend a uh, uh, long duration there to see if you are growing there, if you don't feel bored, if you enjoy the life there, then actually this is your way. I'm sure you know there are three vows in monasticism. Obedience and celibacy and poverty. And you choose voluntarily to walk in these three vows. Celibacy, uh, poverty, and obedience. Why does the church not oppose death penalty? Uh, the Bible, in Old Testament and in New Testament, God gave authority that a man should kill a murderer, but not any man, a man in authority. For example, in, Revelation, sorry, in Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, St. Paul spoke about the rulers, like the governors, the judges. They don't uh, carry the sword in vain, but to avenge from evildoers. Uh, so the person who is in authority, he has responsibility from God to avenge from evildoer. A murderer should be killed. Uh, as the Lord said to St. Peter when he took his sword and cut off the ear of the servant uh, during the time uh, of arrest, when they arrested the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord told Peter, put your sword in its grab, for those who kill with the sword, by the sword will be killed. Also in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 9, we read, uh, a man who shed the blood of another person by the hand of a man, his blood should be shed. Uh, and taman, this can be also in, in self-defense, like in, in wars. Uh, St. Augustine has an article about the just war. Like if I'm a president, when it's okay for me, if I am faithful Christian president, to accept to start a war. If people, like in September 11 here, attacked my country and put my country at high risk, then the president, it's okay for him to start a war to defend his people and to defend his country. And definitely in the war, they will kill other people. But uh, there are definitions when the war should be a just war. So St. Augustine wrote a beautiful article about what is the just war. How do we respond when asked about homosexuality at college campus when evangelizing? Homosexuality is a sin like any other sin, like lying, like cursing, like judging, like swearing. Our problem with the homosexuality or with homosexuals, not that we don't love them or not that we judge them or condemn them. 
But we condemn that they want to make homosexuality a normal way of life and is not sin. For example, if somebody comes to me and tell me, Sayyidna, uh, lying is not a sin. Lying actually helped me in getting out of problems. Lying is a normal way of life. We need to encourage people to lie. We need to preach about lying. We need to accept liars. Does this make sense? Of course not. But if somebody clearly Sayyidna, I know lying is a sin, but I'm struggling with this. Would you please help me? You know, we will help him how to overcome the sin of lying. In the same way, if somebody came to Ali Sayyidna, I am a gay, I am homosexual, I know it is sin, can you help me? Definitely will help him. Definitely will help him and he can participate in communion, uh, he can participate in the sacrament of the church, like any repentant sinner. But if he comes and tells me Sayyidna homosexuality is not a sin, it is a way of life. It's a different lifestyle. They exactly like somebody telling me cursing is not a sin, lying is not a sin, judging is not a sin. Here we'll tell him no, that's wrong. So our problem with the homosexual that they want to normalize it. To the extent they are very aggressive, to the extent that they made the conversion therapy illegal in 11 states in America. Meaning, if a person is homosexual and he wants to be treated, he wants to convert to be heterosexual, it is illegal in 11 uh, uh, states. So in this country that actually defend the freedom of the people, actually you are, yeah, the person who is a gay, he is not free to be treated in 11 states. That is how dangerous this concept is. And because we love them, we want them to be treated. Because we love them, we want them to conduct a normal way of life, not abnormal way of life. Many researchers said that the homosexual suffer from depression and suffer from suicide, high rate of suicide, besides sexually transmitted diseases. Many, many things, actually. And some people tried to defend homosexuality, and they said they suffer from depression and suicide because they are not accepted in the society. So they made a research, and I have references to all these researches. They made a research in uh, a community that accepts well the homosexual. And they, uh, they studied the percentage of depression and suicide. And they, find, they found it very, very high, even in the communities that very, very accepting to homosexuality. So it has nothing to do with being treated well or being treated bad. Uh, another defense, they said, we are born like this. Although until now, 
there is no one scientific research proves that a person is born as a homosexual. But even, even if a person was born as a homosexual, even if this is the case, like a person born with congenital heart disease, are we going to say congenital heart disease is normal? No. He has to be treated. So if a person is born with homosexual tendency, he should be treated. And let me tell you, in reality, do you think there is homosexuality? Homosexuality means two men or two women, right? But most of the cases, if there are two men, one of them pretend to be the female. And if there are two uh, females, one of them pretend to be male. So why they pretend to be males or females if it's through homosexuality? So it's not homosexuality. Because another person pretending to be different gender than who he is. So it's not homosexuality. So all these notions is a corruption from Satan in the mind of the people. How can an individual attain inner calmness? Through his strong relationship with God and through being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, and peace. The inner calmness comes from peace. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you are uh, keeping your spiritual canon, and the Holy Spirit starts to fill every aspect and every part in you, then you will feel the inner calmness. It comes from within, not from outside. Why does give us free will if he knows what we are going to do in the end? What is the purpose if he knows someone will end up in hell? If God doesn't give us free will, then we are not human beings. We're like animals. Animals don't have free will. Uh, so God, because he loves us, he gave us a free will to be able to choose what is right and what's wrong. And as St. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, God gave to us all what we need to be righteous. He gave to us all what we need to be righteous. And even if I fall in sin, I have the repentance, confession, communion to be righteous again. If you think about it, uh, the person who will end up in hell is the one who is completely opponent to God. For example, I am providing you all the money you need, all the food you need, all the supplies you need in your life. But you reject all of this and you decide to live homeless. Although I provide to you every little thing you need to live a, a, a luxurious life. But you reject all of this. Then should you blame me or blame the person who is rejecting every good thing offered to him and insisted to live as homeless? God gave us everything we need to do. If you think about it, to go to heaven is much, much easier than to go to hell. Just if you believe in God, 
and keep his commandment. And even if you break one of his commandments, through repentance, confession, and communion, you will be forgiven. So it's much, much easier to go to heaven than a person who is living in sin and destroying his life and become a slave and in bondage of sin. So uh, I hope that everybody take the gift of God seriously to be able at the end to go to heaven. That's why when we speak about salvation, it is free salvation. We just receive it from God uh, through our good works. But it is free gift of salvation to us. Biggest problem, your grace faced with youth across the diocese. Uh, not only with the youth, but in general, يعني, the lack of seriousness. Uh, يعني, we come to the church maybe every Sunday, we attend uh, Sunday school youth, uh, the lessons, we attend uh, hymns classes, we attend youth meeting. But there is duality. There is no commitment to our life with Christ. For example, we are fasting now. How many of us are fasting? How many of us taking the fasting seriously? How many of us abstain in fasting? How many of us pray the Agbeya morning, evening, and night? How many of us open the Bible and read it every day and make reflection on it? How many of us uh, committed to pay his tithe to the church? How many of us committed to uh, serve others? How many of us committed to keep the commandment of God? We as youth, as the Bible tells us, remember your creator in the days of youth. But many of us, we come to the church as activity, part of our activities. But we don't have this relationship. We are not committed to God. We live dual life. When the church, we act like the children of God. Outside the church, we are different, like the children of the world. This dual life, lack of commitment, lack of seriousness, is one of the biggest problems with the youth. When, we, when were you ordained a bishop? 1992. How to live as good Christian in a very bad and difficult world? Just keep the commandment of, of God in your heart. As David said, I hid your commandment in my heart. List. I sin against you. Be serious. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you will be light to the world and soul to the earth. Uh, Noah lived in, in a world that nobody else was righteous except Noah and his family, eight persons. But he was able, through his commitment to God, his uh, obedience to the word of God, uh, he was able to shine in the midst of this crooked world as a shining star, as uh, uh, light to the world. When you feel yourself drifting away from, drifting away from God, how do you bring yourself back? Spiritual canon, repentance. We don't take our spiritual canon seriously. Spiritual canon is your prayer, your Bible, coming to the church, confession, fasting, 
when you are disciplined in your spiritual canon, this will bring you back to God. Because spiritual canon will make you enter into the sphere of the grace of God. And once you enter into the sphere of the grace, the grace will start working in you and bring you closer to God back. What is the reason we put incense in the censer when Abuna says he was incarnate and became man? The, as we say in the hymn of Tishuri, the censer, the censer, golden censer, is St. Mary. And the incense is our savior, right? So we, when we put incense in the censer, we symbolize the incarnation. Because the incense is, symbolizes Jesus Christ. And the censer symbolizes St. Mary. So when Abuna says, was incarnate and became man, and puts incense in the censer, as if the Son of God came into the womb of St. Mary, and he was incarnate and became man. If you think you found the right person, bring you closer to God, make you strive to be a better person, how old should you, should you be before taking action if you both know you love each other and that you need to wait to mature? And for now, can you still talk? You don't talk one-on-one or make one-on-one relationship when you are immature, when you are still young, because your opinion will change over the years. Very rarely, very, very rarely, if a person starts to date Muslim at the age of 16 and ended up marrying the same person. From Muslim 16 until if he marries at age of 26 or 27, in these 10 years, he will break up and date many people. So when he comes to marriage, then marriage in Israel will be another date. That's why many times divorce is very easy, because for him, he broke several dates. So marriage, he can break it as he broke several dates before. So as Amba Musa, the bishop of the youth, used to answer, you should not start one-to-one date unless you are mature, spiritually, financially, educationally, socially, psychologically, physically, mature in every aspect of life. Here, actually, you can start date in order to be sure the other person is the right person and you are serious about marriage. But start dating in, in a very early, uh, young age, is very dangerous, very dangerous. Talk about relationship with parents. The Bible instructed us to honor our parents, to love them, to respect them, a open communication with them. Even some parents, if, if they are overprotective, we need actually to honor them, respect them, and understand they love us. If they are overprotective, they love us. In very, very rare cases, some parents can be abusive. In this case, we need to keep the balance between respecting them, honoring them as our parents, but how to set healthy boundary 
in order not to be exposed to this abuse, if it is physical, emotional, or any kind of abuse. But most of the parents are not abusive. It's very rare cases. Most of the parents, they are loving, yeah, some of them are overprotective, but they are loving and caring. That's why the Bible asked us to obey them, to honor them. And this is the first command to promise that you will have long age, meaning you will have long happy days on earth. How do you prepare to give a sermon? Uh, you need to pray, asking God to enlighten your mind. You need to read from the scripture about this sermon. You need to read from early church fathers uh, how they interpreted and what are they they're saying about this sermon. You need to find from the church uh, history how our fathers applied this virtue in their life then you need to apply it in your life. So when you teach something, you are experiencing. You are not teaching something while you never experienced in your life. Then ask God to speak on your mouth. And in a sermon, there is introduction. There is the sermon itself. And when you outline it into three, four, five points, it will be structured so the people will not forget what he told them, and at the end, you need to conclude it with some exercise, with prayer, uh, and application for them to take home. How can you feel enough love from Christ without it being from another human? God loved us, and he will continue to love us. As Saint Paul said in Romans 8, nobody can stop God from loving us. Nobody can stop God from loving us. So the problem is not how, whether God is loving us or not. The problem is how we experience this love of God. Sin blinds us. Sin will make us not feel this love. So when we approach God in repentance, when we approach God in prayer, when we approach God in humbleness, we will experience his love. Like Augustine, when he was living a sinful life, he never experienced the love of God. But when he started to repent, he found the love of God like fountain of living water, nurturing and quenching his thirsty soul toward the love of God. That's why he said, Oh God, you created us for yourself and our souls will be restless until we find our rest in you. If you don't, if you did not read the confession of St. Augustine until now, I want you to read it. It's a very good book for the youth. And, and we'll tell you a lot about how we experience the love of God and how Augustine himself enjoyed the love of God. You can find this book actually as PDF on the internet and you don't have to even buy it. Confession of St. Augustine. 
But I encourage all of you, if you did not read this book before, download this book and read it. It's very, very good book to feel how Augustine experienced the love of God, which will be like an example for us how to feel the love of God in our life. How do you deal with earthly distractions? In the parable of the sower, God said the earthly distraction like the thorn that choke the person and choke the word of God. The earthly distraction, as the Lord mentioned in the parable of the sower, are three things. The worries, I'm worried about future, worried about money, worried about health, worried about marriage, worried, worried, worries, pleasures. I want to test all these pleasures of the world and riches, love of money. Three things, worries, riches, and pleasures. So we need to deal with them. Worries, cast all your worry upon God and he will care about you. Pleasure, we need to understand pleasure is not the goal. It is just a means to reach a goal. Once you make pleasure a goal in life, it will be distraction from everything. The same money. Money, we use it, but we don't love the money or we don't trust the money. But we use it as a blessing, as a gift from God. If we know how to use the money, if we know how the pleasure not to set them as goals in our life, and we cast our worries upon God, then actually, uh, we will not let the earthly distraction choke the word of God or choke our souls. Why did God seem so much harsher in the Old Testament? That's a false accusation against God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But let me tell you, if a parent, if parents have a very disciplined child, they will deal with him kindly. But then if this child became vulgar, became uh, very uh, disrespectful to his parent, drifted away from God, so they may start to discipline, discipline him harshly to protect him. That's exactly what was the case in the Old Testament. Satan was not bound, so the evil was very, very abundant in the Old Testament. So God want to limit the evil of the people. That's why it, it, it sounds like God was very harsh in his discipline. But in the New Testament, with the grace of God came, and the grace of God restrained to a very, very large extent the, the evil of the people, and Satan is bound. That's why we, uh, we, we enjoy more mercy. Not because God changed it, but we change it. Not God changed it, we change it in the New Testament. Like in Muslim, we read in the book of Acts the story of Hanani and Sapphira when they hid money, how immediately St. Peter uh, judged them and both of them fell dead. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
Why does the church fast on Wednesday and Friday? Wednesday is the day of betrayal, and Friday is the day of crucifixion. Does the church keep these two days to remind us how through our sins we betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ and we delivered him to crucifixion, and on Friday how he shed his blood on Friday. So it's day of, uh, of asceticism, day of reflection on the betrayal of humanity and the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you please discuss its importance as nowadays this fast is often overlooked? Unfortunately, yes. Very, very few people who fast Wednesday and Friday. And if you think about it, how these two days in which we commemorate the betrayal of humanity and the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, we don't want to live ascetic in these two days and we don't discipline ourselves. And if you think about it, what is the reason we don't keep? There is no reason, except we like the pleasure, the distraction, the pleasure of the world. Uh, we like the pleasure of the food. Uh, but when you practice self-control and you fast these two days, you will feel so many blessings in your life because you are acknowledging the betrayal of our Lord, and which is betrayal of our humanity to our Lord and his love that is uh, manifested in shedding his blood on the cross. How can I maintain my relationship with God as well as manage my time in college? There is no contradiction between this and that. The, the question here implies that when I'm in college and I'm studying, I'm not doing something for God, and this is wrong. Because St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he said, whatever you do, eating, drinking, I'm adding, studying, working, do all things for the glory of God. So when I'm studying for the glory of God, when I am eating for the glory of God, when I'm drinking for the glory of God, when I am praying for the glory of God. So you need actually to, to keep the balance between having your uh, quiet time with God, the time in which you are totally uh, not distracted with anything, but you give God your undivided attention, and the other time in which you are studying or working, and you are doing all of this to, uh, for the glory of God, to uh, manifest to the whole world the righteousness and the love and the mercy of God. So time management, keeping balance between your time with God in which you give your undivided attention to God, plus the time uh, in which you study for the glory of God. Like in the morning, keep your prayer. In the evening before you study and after you return from college, maybe you need to start by reading the scripture and prayer, and before you sleep, another prayer. This is the undivided attention. You need to also, on a weekly basis, attend the divine liturgy, attend spiritual meeting, whether it's youth meeting or Sunday school. So these are basic uh, things and will never actually take from your time in college or time of study.
say that, like, what if you're doing that thing you're studying and you lose God completely? You don't have in your mind why you're studying because it's distracting. It's hard to focus on two things. And so, why you are studying? You are studying to be a good person. I'm not saying do it for the glory of God so you are studying and then praying somewhat you are studying. I'm not saying this. But when you are faithful and wise in your studying, in order to be uh, a good student and at the end uh, a good uh, uh, lawyer, uh, engineer, so you, you will glorify God in your profession later on. So being faithful and wise in your talent, this actually how you do it for the glory of God. What do we do if we pray that our prayer gets heard, but you still don't feel it? God listen to all our prayers, to every single prayer. But God can say yes, can say no, or can say not now. Many times when God say no, we feel that our prayer are not heard, but no, God heard my prayer and he said no, because it is for my benefit. Also, God can be silent, or can whisper, or can talk, or can scream. Can silent, like in Abraham, after he gave birth to uh, Ishmael, his age was 86. Then the following verse in the scripture, and when Abraham was 99, God appeared to him and told him, walk before me and be perfect. So God was silent with Abraham for 13 years, from 86 to 99, because he did not trust God and thought about, listen to Sarah and thought about a human way to have a son, did not trust God when he told him, with Sarah, you will have a son. So he uh, got his son Ishmael from Hagar. So God was silent with him. And if we don't, if we understand this simple rule about communication, you cannot not communicate. Meaning what? Even if I'm silent with you, my silence communicates a message to you. So God can be silent with me. And in his silence, He's communicating a message. God can whisper, like with Elijah. When Elijah said, God, they killed all your prophets, they destroyed all your altar, and I remained by myself. So God appeared to Elijah. First, Elijah heard the thunder. He thought this is God, but it was not God. He heard a storm. He thought it is God, but it was not God. He, he saw fire. He thought it was God, but it was not God. And at the end, he heard a whispering, soft voice. And this was God. So the message here to Elijah, if you feel that I am not working, because my work is not like a storm, it's not like a fire, it's not like a thunder. No, I am always, always working. Sometimes I work like a whispering, soft voice. Like in plane, the plane is flying with a very, very high speed. But if you look at the window, as if the plane is standing, not moving at all. Many times we perceive as God standing, is still, not moving. 
but God is working at a very fast speed. God sometimes talk and communicate with us as he communicated with the prophet and as he communicated in our heart. And many times also God can scream like with Jonah, storm, uh, uh, wail, uh, this little bush, the hot weather, the, the worm that killed the bush. So God was screaming in the life of Jonah. So many times God is silent or whispering or talking or screaming. But I want to assure you, every single prayer is heard by God and God answers us in different ways. How can spiritual zeal be maintained? Again, as I told you, your spiritual canon will make you inside the sphere of the grace of God. And once you are inside the sphere of the grace of God, this zeal will, will be uh, yani, maintained in your heart. Plus, see what help you to keep the zeal. For example, certain sermons, certain songs, certain hymns, certain prayers, midnight praises, certain activities, uh, kindle the zeal of God in your heart. So if you know exactly what helped you before to kindle the zeal of God in your heart, do it again and do it again and you will have the same response like before. When Abuna reads the absolution after confession, he says, may God forgive your sins. Nongru and nongli are the sins you forgot but later remembered still forgiven. If you forgot them, really they are forgiven. Although David said, my sin is before me all the time. So how can a person forget his sin? In a way, if you examine yourself on a daily basis, you should not forget uh, your sins. But if honestly you forgot them, they are forgiven. But if you remember them later on, you should go and confess them. How do you live through the Holy Spirit? Just be obedient to the, to the Holy Spirit. Be submissive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the commandments, through the word of God, through my father of confession through the early church father, through the holy tradition of the church. So if you are submitting to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will uh, control your life. As St. Paul said, don't be drunk by wine, but by be filled with the Spirit of God. He's saying when a person is drunk with wine, wine is controlling him. But if you are drunk with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will control you. So how to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Again and again, the spiritual canon will make you enter the realm of the work of the Holy Spirit. Why do they say that God came to save the Jews? Not everybody is saying this, but only the Jewish people. Because the Jewish people and Israel believe they are the chosen people of God. So in their mind, nobody else 
will be saved except Israel, the chosen people of God. And in their mind, Jesus, uh, the Messiah, will be the king of the Jews, earthly king of the Jews. But in a spiritual sense, all of us who are the new Israel, the new chosen people of God, every Christian, every person who believes in Christ, he is the new Israel, the true children of Abraham. As St. Paul explained in Romans, who are the true children of Abraham? The children of the flesh or the children of the faith of Abraham? So every person who has the faith of Abraham is a son of Abraham. Even the Lord in the Gospel of St. John said, if you are the children of Abraham, do the works of Abraham. So uh, we are in the new Israel. We are the new chosen people of God, whether we are Jews or Gentiles. And Jesus Christ is our King. Do you have a moment when you hit rock bottom? Sometimes God allows us to hit the rock bottom in order to repent and return back to him. Like the prodigal son, when he drifted away from God uh, and from his father's house, uh, the, the rock bottom for him was even he desired to eat the pods of the swine and nobody gave it to him. And this was a turning point. He learned from this uh, experience and he decided to return back to the house of his father. So, of course, we should not wait until we hit the rock bottom. But if this is a situation, we need to take advantage of this moment and do like the prodigal son and say, I will return back to my father's house and say to him, I have sinned, I'm not worthy to be one of your children, but consider me one of your hired servants. So how to recover? By returning back to God. How to grow and evolve in spiritual life. Again, being filled with the spirit, uh, a spiritual canon, surround yourself by godly uh, support system, the cloud of witnesses and the intercession of the saints, sacraments of the church, special confession, repentance and communion. All these things will help you to grow and evolve in your spiritual life. How should a relationship with God be like and how can you delve into him much more in depth it's a relationship between children and their father or a bride and her groom or flock and their shepherd or disciples with their master so there are many analogies to describe our relationship with god so our relationship with God uh, is a continuous relationship manifested in every aspect of our life. Like your relationship with your parents, 
are manifested in every aspect of your life. You are not their children at one moment, and then you are not their children at another moment, all the time. So reflect on all these metaphors, the bride and the bridegroom, the children and the father, the flock and the shepherd, the disciples and their master. And try to evolve through the grace of God yourself in this relationship into one of these metaphors. Then actually you will enjoy your relationship with God and you will feel God very close to you. Develop this personal relationship with God. Personal relationship with God. As St. John said, we have heard him, we have seen him, we have touched him. So everybody should be able in a spiritual sense to say, we have heard him, we have seen him, we have touched him. Why do we have to take preservant class? Can you practice medicine without going to medical school? Can you practice engineering without going to engineering school? Can you practice law without going into all school? How can you be a servant and teach children without studying preservant? It is a requirement. Even the Lord Jesus Christ prepared the disciples for three years as preservant the class before sending them to preach. So it's a requirement to prepare yourself before you go and preach. Why is there only one way of baptism? Baptism symbolizes the death of Christ. Not symbolizes actually. We are dead with Christ and we are buried with him literally. And Christ died once. That's why it's one baptism. And Christ died and was buried. That's why we baptize by total immersion, not by sprinkling, but total immersion in the water uh, because it's burial with Christ. Why are the sacraments important to us? Because the sacraments are the channels through which we receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. Away from sacraments, you cannot be saved. For example, how your sins will be forgiven without repentance and confession. How you are born again without repentance and be a son of God. How to have the Holy Spirit abiding in you without the sacrament of chrismation. How to overcome the death without being one in communion with the body, with the life-giving flesh of Christ. He will give you life after we are under the sense of this. That's why there is no salvation away from sacrament. Those who do not believe in sacrament or practice sacraments, there is no salvation for them. Why cannot girls take communion during period? Uh, it is commandment uh, in Leviticus chapter uh, 12. Also, it's considered as they are not fasting. Like if you drink water in the morning, if you drink tea in the morning, you cannot take communion. And not only girls, but also boys, if they have wet dreams, they cannot take communion. Uh, so it's not only girls. Uh, this excretion from the body 
make the person not fasting and not ready to take communion. So it's not about girls, it's also about boys. How to read the Bible and felt you understand it? You read it with your own eye, understand it with your own mind, by reading interpretation and commentary of early church father, keep it in your heart, reflect on it, and meditate on it, and apply it in your life. Again, read it with your eye, understand it with your mind, through studying the commentary of early church father, keep it in your heart and reflect on it, then apply it in your life. How do I make good relationship with God and I continue in it? We answer this question again, spiritual canon, uh, repentance, keeping the commandment of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, all these things will help you to have good relationship with God. What is the difference between being Coptic Orthodox Christian and being an Egyptian? or the Coptic church is the Egyptian church. But many people join the Coptic church not from the Egyptian background. So American can become Coptic. So Coptic Orthodox church means every single person who is baptized in the Coptic Orthodox church and join the Coptic Orthodox church, whether they are Egyptian or not Egyptian, whether they are Mexican, American, European, Australian, but join the Coptic Church, they are Coptic, Coptic Christian. Um, but Egyptians, not all of them are Christian, not all of them uh, are uh, Christian. There are Muslims and there are Christian. Uh, but our identity for Egyptian who are Coptic, so our roots are Egyptian, our heritage is Coptic, our faith is Orthodox, and our religion is Christianity. How would I over excel in my service through the grace of God, through kindling the Holy Spirit in you, through keeping the zeal in your heart, through uh, entering again into the sphere of the work of the Holy Spirit through your spiritual canon, through your prayer, uh, relying on God will make you excel in your service. How do you deal with problems in the world? Don't let these problems affect you or take your peace, but put all these problems in front of God, asking God to help you to overcome them, without letting the problem get into your heart or take away from you your peace or your joy. So have a godly and a Christian way in dealing with problems and issues. Ask for the wisdom of God to guide you and go to your spiritual father or to spiritual elders to get their advice how to manage certain problems in your life. How can an individual discover his calling? Pray that God reveal his calling to you. 
listen carefully to the voice of God in the scripture, in the feedback from other, uh, your spiritual father. Seek counseling, spiritual counseling or consultation to know whether you are called or not. And finally, use your mind to make sure that what you feel it's your calling is not just a perception, but reality. God is the one who is calling you. So four things. Prayer, listen to the voice of God, uh, spiritual uh, counseling and consultation and guidance, and use your mind to make sure that what you are hearing is not your perception, is not your voice, but is the voice of God. Why can't we eat before we take communion? In the beginning was the word. So if the, God should be the first. So before we eat anything, we eat his body and his blood. This should be the first thing enter into my digestive system. Uh, so God will bless my day. It's part of being ready to take communion. Prepare yourself spiritually and physically to take communion. So fasting is one way to prepare yourself physically to take communion. What do you do if you get asked in public to defend your religion, but you don't know what to say? You need to be embarrassed. <laughs> because St. Peter and First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, be ready to give a defense when you are asked about the reason of hope in you. So if you don't know what to say, then you are not applying this verse in your life. You are not ready to give a defense. So you need to uh, grow in the field of, of um, apologetic, how to defend your faith. And for example, if we meet other denomination, you need to study comparative theology. If we, we meet atheists, we need to under, uh, study uh, how to defend your faith uh, to atheist people, uh, like in the field of apologetic. Read and study and be ready. So if sometimes you are asked uh, a question, because nobody is all knowledgeable, many of us who are asked questions are not, yeah, we don't have the answer to it, so uh, you can ask for some time to read and give the answer back. Uh, and all these questions are answered actually by early church fathers and many also of our contemporary apologetics uh, yani answer all these questions around us. There is no question has no answer. There is no question has no answer to defend your faith. Yes. How do you deal with problems at school? What kind of problems? Like depression. Depression can be a clinical illness that has to be treated by a psychiatrist. So if it is a clinical depression. But if just depression means 
my mood is not good. I am overwhelmed by my studies. I'm overwhelmed by stress. So we need actually to learn how to do our part faithfully and wisely, then to cast our worries upon God. Then the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding will keep our heart and mind uh, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I do my part uh, faithfully and wisely, and then I trust God with the rest, I, I will not suffer from depression. Unless there is a clinical depression that needs to be treated by a psychiatrist. Why are kings in Christian countries anointed? Uh, it's a blessing to, to, be, uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. Like in the Old Testament, kings, prophets, and priests were anointed. Means God chose them. That's why they used to anoint uh, the emperor, the Christian emperor, and the patriarch used to anoint them with oil and crown them uh, in the coronation. So uh, it, it's a blessing that, like in the Old Testament, king, priests, and prophets, in the New Testament, kings also are anointed, the Christian kings. Which means they will abide by Christian uh, principles in ruling their country. So they received this position from God, not from people. How God gives us free knowledge if He knows our future? We call it foreknowledge. So God, He foreknew what we are going to do without taking our free will or without imposing on our free will. Like, yeah, let me give you an example, uh, not precisely identical, but will make you understand. Maybe a teacher in a school, he can predict how each one of his students will score. But this is prediction only from his foreknowledge of the level of the students. But God for him is not prediction, it's foreknowledge. Because God doesn't have past, present, and future. Everything is present to him. So God, he knows, he foreknew what I am going to do by my free will. So, but if God doesn't give us free will, you're bad. I know if you have a free will, you're bad. Nobody will, will accept this. No, we'll say it is unfair. But God foreknew what we are going to do before we do. Other than in the Bible, how can we prove to another person that the body and blood is truly the body and the blood of Christ? Can your grace mention proof from early church father decision that the communion is true body and blood of Christ? Of course. Yeah, the sermon that we read it on uh, uh, Holy Thursday, Thursday uh, no, Holy Tuesday of the Pascha, uh, by John Chrysostom. When John Chrysostom said, Nana, when I see you, how to take communion uh, without fear of God, I want to leave the church. 
do you know what you are taking? It is the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that if you take it unworthily, you will be guilty of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You go ahead and read it in the 11th hour of morning of Tuesday of the Holy Pascha week. And many, many church fathers, but this is one example from the early church fathers about communion. I'm having a hard time learning how to love myself. And I can see this in the way I talk to people. They see God as a monster. How does one learn to love himself? Uh, why we see God as monster? God actually is a loving God. So that is a wrong perception about God. You, you, the person who sees God as a monster means they did not experience the real God. They made an image in their mind about God and then actually they start to hate this image. And hating God will lead to hating yourself. But if you love God, then through the love of God, you will love yourself because God loves you and God died on the cross. When you know how precious you are, in the eyes of God, you will love yourself. Love yourself not in, uh, in, in a selfish way, but if you love yourself, then you will care about your salvation. When the Lord said, love your neighbor as yourself, it implies to love yourself. Loving yourself means to accept the gift of salvation from God, means to work out your salvation, means to care about yourself, not destroy it through bad habits or through sinful desires. That is loving yourself, to walk according to the uh, commandment of God. But you cannot love yourself if you see God as monster. So you need to have the right experience about God. Maybe you have the wrong experience, like, if I tell you about this person, he is very, very bad person. And you believed me without dealing with this person. But if you decide to deal with the person, and then you see how kind he is, how compassionate he is, at all what I heard about this person was wrong. Definitely what you heard about God is wrong. So start dealing with God. And as I, I told you a few minutes ago, I recommend to read the Confession of St. Augustine. It will show you how loving our God is. Also read the three epistles of St. John, first, second, third epistle, to see how our God is a loving God. If gluttony is a sin, is eating too much a sin, Again, do you remember when I said pleasure should not be the goal? Eating too much if because you put the pleasure of eating as your goal, then it is a sin. But the pleasure when we eat, so we can eat, but when we are full, 
or even before we are full, we stop eating. So we, we live to eat or we eat to live. Gluttony means we live to eat. That's my goal. But actually, it is the opposite. We eat to live. So I eat just enough to be healthy and to be functional. Yes? Gluttony? When actually, for example, you, you are full, but because you love what you eat, you, you're still eating until your stomach gets hurt. Gluttony also when there is no medical reason to prevent you from fasting, but you decide not to fast because you love food. Or you are fasting and then you see a, a certain kind of food that you love it, so you decide to break your fast because you love this food. That's gluttony. Uh, when you don't control yourself in abstaining, and all of you are young, and you can abstain maybe until 12 or 1 p.m. during nativity fast, or even to 3 p.m., nothing will happen to you. But if you wake up in the morning, drink coffee and eat, that's not right during the time of fasting. You need to practice how to abstain. So all these practices show that you are away from the sin of gluttony. What do you do when you cannot sit still? Do you have ADHD? <laughs> Hyperactive? Maybe you need to get treated. Like it, it has to do other than this. You have to do uh, you have to practice self-control uh, to be able to sit still, like Mr. in class, in church, uh, during prayer. Moving around a lot means a lack of self-control. So you need to discipline yourself to have self-control. Other, unless a person uh, suffers from uh, hyperactivity, uh, like in the attention deficit hyperactivity. How do you stop from overthinking? Thinking is good, but overthinking can lead to anxiety and, and, and worries. And you need to have control over your mind. When you feel that you are overanalyzing, overthinking something, give it more than what you should give then you need to have this power. Again, it has to do with the self-control. And self-control is the fruit of the Spirit, as you read it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21-22. So by being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be able to uh, develop this fruit that can help you to stop yourself from overthinking. How do you know your friends are true friends at the time of hardship? If they leave you, then they are not true friends. But the true friend will cling to you, will support you. You will find him during the time of hardship. The prodigal son, all his friends left him during the time of his hardship. Is it bad to listen to Christian song instead of hymns. Do this 
and don't stop this. And a Christian song, especially when they are with good Christian music and good Christian lyrics, they are good. But also the hymnology has a lot of teaching and a lot of doctrines in them. So you need actually to keep balance between listening to hymns and listening to Christian uh, songs. Why does the Holy Trinity have three and not different amount of hypostasis? In his wisdom, God did not decide. God is a triune God. You know what I mean? Uh, triune God, uh, because love should be more than one person, and uh, it should be manifested at least through three persons. So there will be no selfish love here if it's only between two. So that's why God is triune God. And that's who God is. Listen, if God was four, four persons or five persons, you'd ask the same question. So that's how God is, is, is found. How, how, we, how God revealed himself to us. That's who God is. Listen, I told you why nobody founded God. Nobody created God. If somebody created God, then the question will make sense why he created God as three person. But God existed by himself as triune God. That's who God is. is. Is it wrong to have a relationship at young age? Yes, I said you are immature. Uh, one-to-one relationship, but you can have relationship with a group of people, but one-to-one while you are young and immature is destructive. If the relationship is pure and followed by a confession, father, and is not dating, then why it's one-on-one? Uh, if relationship between group of people uh, would be better. Because one of them has the potential in the future to be impure. One-on-one has the potential to be impure, even if it's under the guidance of spiritual power. Again, how is one supposed to know when the right time is to be with someone? As I told you, when you are mature, spiritually, educationally, financially, socially, psychologically, physically. And whether they are the right person or not, how the other person will help you to grow spiritually? Can you communicate with him? Can you love him the rest of your life? Can you compromise and live happily with each other? All these questions are very important. But only when you are mature, you can tell whether this person will be the right person or not. Is going against the Holy Spirit a sin that can be forgiven? 
going the Holy Spirit is the same, yes, can be forgiven if you repent. Any sin, any sin can be forgiven when you repent. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the unforgivable sin, is, is the lack of repentance, which means all your life you refuse to repent until the person dies. That's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Why aren't there girls who are deacons in our church? The church actually, uh, everyone has different function. So girls have function and boys have function. Like in your body, your eye has function, your ear has function. So everybody has function. Uh, God assigned the uh, service of deacons in here, including reading, serving in the altar for boys, not for girls. But for girls, there are deaconesses, uh, like the consecrated sisters, uh, they have different function, but they don't serve in the altar, they don't read. So it's different roles for different genders. If God wants all of us to do the, exactly the same thing, he would not create two genders. God created two genders because every gender has different roles than the other. Why are girls not allowed to be in the altar except if they are taking communion in it? No, even if they are taking communion, they should not enter the altar. Altar only for the servants of the altar, the deacons and abuna. No girls are allowed, and no boys actually allowed to enter the, the altar. Uh, only the servant of the altar should enter the altar. That's why you don't give communion to men inside the altar. We go to them outside. So nobody allowed to enter the altar except the servant of the altar only. Is there anything wrong with hanging out with Americans? No. But wrong if we are hanging out with non-godly people, whether they are Egyptian, Coptic, American, Australians. So ungodly people, as St. Paul said, bad company corrupt good morals. So if there is a godly American, a Christian godly American, an ungodly Coptic, no, it's better to hang around this godly American than the ungodly Coptic. It has nothing to do with American or Egyptian. It has to do with godly person. Bad morals corrupt uh, good, uh, sorry, bad company corrupt good morals. How can you learn the most about being a Christian and having blessing in life? Being a disciple to the Word of God, disciple in the church, disciple to the spiritual father, read and read and read a lot. Read early church fathers, read spiritual books. So this will make you learn the most about your Christianity, and this in itself will give you blessing in your life.
Why does nearly half of Tesbihah a praise toward St. Mary? I am having a hard time praying during Tesbihah uh, because I feel like it toward St. Mary. It is actually not half of it. Uh, yeah, the four verses are for yeah, praising God. Even when we praise St. Mary, we praise the incarnation of the Son of God uh, from St. Mary. That's why even we call it Theotokia. Theotokia means the mother of God. So if you focus about uh, all the praises towards St. Mary, it is we are praising how she gave birth to God, how God incarnated. So we are praising the mystery of incarnation that happened to us through St. Mary, the Mother of God. Uh, and, and to understand this mystery of incarnation, you need to understand how God took flesh from St. Mary and became man. So we are praising, in reality, the mystery of incarnation, not the virtuous uh, Mary uh, and her virtues only. You understand? We, we, we do this maybe in the sociologists, but in the theotokias, it's about the mystery of incarnation. How to deal with a family member who hates everyone and church and God, even when they are, when they use violence or walk away, when you try to talk about God or the Bible. I know St. Augustine's mother cried and prayed for him for years, but this doesn't seem to be working. Uh, wait for the Lord, just keep praying. And maybe instead of talking about God, which irritates them, you need actually to show them the Christian uh, and the loving God through your acts, through your conduct, through, through your forgiveness, through your endurance. As St. Saint Peter said, wives, be submissive to your husband. Even if some do not obey the word of God, you will win them by your Christian conduct. So you can win this person by your Christian conduct beside uh, prayer. Maybe until now prayer seems not working, but it's not the end of the story yet. Don't lose hope, keep praying for them, and when they go through difficult time, and when the person is vulnerable, that's a good time to intervene and to present to God how he can help him during the time of vulnerability. In the Bible, it mentions that Christ had brothers and sisters, yes. Who were, who were they and what is their relationship to him? Did Joseph have children before he met St. Mary? There are two interpretations of the brothers of Jesus. One interpretation that Joseph, he married before St. Mary and he had children. And these children like step-brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ because Joseph, when he uh, yani, get engaged uh, to St. Mary, he was a widow. And 
So the brothers of Jesus are uh, children of St. Joseph from a previous marriage. That's one opinion. The other opinion, which is the opinion of St. Jerome, that Joseph was celibate, he did not have any children, but these are the, his cousins. St. Mary had another sister, also her name is Mary, and this Mary had children, uh, four boys and some uh, girls. And these are the brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in the Middle East, uh, even until now, cousins are called the brothers. Uh, and the church, and Bob Shenouda, uh, accepted or adopted the opinion of Saint Jerome that they are his cousins, not the opinion of uh, Joseph, uh, that they are the children of Joseph, and Joseph was a widow. But just yani, to be fair, if you read it, I'm telling you both opinions, but the church accepts more the opinion of Saint Jerome that they are his cousins, and Joseph was a celibate, uh, not a widow. But if you read it, you know in the two explanations are there. Did God create men and women equal? In dignity, yes. In honor, yes. In essence, yes. But in function, no. Different uh, function for different gender. Should everyone be treated the same? Yes, in honor, in dignity, in essence, but not in function. Not in function. How can we learn to serve with love when you have the love of God in your heart and uh, you serve because you love God, not out of compulsion, not out of uh, vainglory, not out of obligation, but because you love God and you received a talent, as St. Peter said, as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good steward of the manifold grace of God. What is the first step to be serious, committed, that was mentioned earlier? Discipline, that's the first step. You have a canon. You need to be disciplined to follow the canon. Like, listen, how, how to be serious in your school. Every day you go to school, you attend the classes, you study, you work hard for it. Discipline. That's the first step to be serious. Follow what you should do. Discipline. How do I handle this agreement on rest in my home with any parents? Uh, we need to learn how to agree to disagree. So if there is disagreement between me and my parents, I need to submit to them because the Bible asked us to submit to them. As long as they are not asking me to do something against the will of God. But if I have, مثلاً, I want to do something and they disagree on it, in order to have peace, uh, with my family. The easiest way is to submit to them and to listen to them even if you disagree. Uh, so living in peace 
will have more blessings than you disagree and at the end you do your well and they are upset with you uh, and a lot of tension and a lot of unrest will be in your house. Just God asked us children be obedient to your parents. Jesus Christ was obedient to his parents. When Saint Mary asked him to solve the problem of the wine in the wedding of Cana of Galilee, although it was not his time as he told her, but he listened to her and he obeyed her. When he was sitting in the temple at the age of 12, and Mary and Joseph went to him and asked him to leave with them immediately, he was obeyed, uh, obedient to them, and he submitted to them. So if God, God, the creator of Mary and Joseph, he was obedient to them, we need to learn how to be obedient to our parents. Why? Is the second coming something very scary to think about it? It shouldn't be very scary unless a person is not repentant. But if you're repentant, actually, we'll say, I mean, come, O Lord Jesus, and we'll be happy waiting for his second coming. How can the human mind comprehend that we, we will be in one place for eternity? Uh, these things actually we understand it with faith because our mind is limited and many things about God is incomprehensible. Incomprehensible, I cannot comprehend it with my mind, but I will accept it by faith because faith surpasses my limited mind. So if God said so and I believe in God, I will accept it by faith. If our bodies rise, on the second coming, what is in the paradise? Our bodies are here if our souls just uh, floating around paradise. Yes, when a person dies, the body is buried and then the spirit goes to the paradise. The spirit will wait in the paradise until the second coming. Then the spirit returned into the body. And the body will be transformed, will be changed into the glorious body. Then the person, that's the resurrection of the dead. When the spirit returned back to the body. So now in the paradise we have the souls or the spirit of the believers. Can a priest get married on the day of his ordination, you mean يعني, uh, after his ordination? لا. But before his ordination, we recommend to have at least one year between marriage and ordination. At least, it can be up to three years. Why? To make sure that there is no conflict between the priest and his wife, or the candidate and his wife. They are a good family. Uh, but for somebody to be ordained, to, to be married this week and then ordained next week, it can be a challenge uh, if, God forbid, they have issues or conflict in their marriage. So there is a recommendation to stay at least one year, but up to three years or more uh, in order to ensure. St. Paul said uh, one of the qualifications of the priest, he managed his house well. Otherwise, how can we entrust him to, ma to manage the house of God? 
So if he is ordained يعني between marriage and ordination one week, how can we test the ability of managing his house well? So at least we need to have time, one year, three years, five years, ten years, to know that he manages his house well, so he can be trusted to manage the house of God, the church. If the prayer before and after communion are important, why don't we say them out loud in, in out loud in right after the final confession before Psalm 150. Uh, many, many prayers that are very, very important, we pray them silently. Even Abuna himself, there are prayer before communion and after communion in the liturgy book, but all these prayers are prayed silently. So the importance has nothing to do praying out loud or praying silently. Uh, and we need to follow one right. If the church now saying you need to pray this prayer silently, actually it is a time between you and God to say this prayer and more prayer. And after the fra- fraction, there is a silent time. This silent time, it's time to pray, pray before communion. And you say your own personal prayers d- during this time, after fraction, before the confession. And then after you take communion, take a side kid and you pray your own personal prayers beside also the prayer after communion. But the tradition that these prayers are inaudible, not out loud prayer. In John 6.10, it mentioned that there was much grass in the place. Is there a hidden meaning to the grass? Yes. The, this is regarding the miracle of feeding the multitude. And the Lord fed the multitude twice. One time was five loaves and two fish, and the other time was uh, um, with seven loaves and little uh, fish. Did not mention the number. The church fathers reflected on these two miracles. One miracle represents the Old Testament, how God fed the people in the Old Testament, and the second miracle, how God fed the people in the New Testament. The five loaves and two fish about Old Testament. Uh, Five loaves are the five books of Moses. Two fish, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, or the prophet and the law. So that's how God fed the people. And the number 5,000, number five symbolizes human being, five senses. Uh, And the remaining uh, leftover was 12 baskets, the 12 tribe of Israel. And here was mentioned that there was much grass. Much grass uh, represent the fading away. Grass fades away when the sun uh, shines on the grass, it, it weathers and it fades away. So it represents how, before the grace of God, humanity is, is fading away. But the second miracle represents how God feeds the people in the new covenant. 4,000 represents the four directions in the whole world, north, south, east, and west. So God, in the New Testament, he came to everybody, not only to the Jews. 
and he fed them through seven loaves, which is uh, seven sacraments of the church. And he did not mention a number of fish, because fish represent the apostles and their successors. So there is no number, because the church continue from the time of Jesus until now. But he mentioned little, small fish that we don't rely on our ability. As St. Pete, as St. Paul said, God chose the humble to put to shame the proud. He chose the poor to put shame the rich, etc. And the leftover was seven. It's a perfect number. It means the church of the New Testament. Uh, that's why they left over with seven baskets. And in the second miracle, there was mentioning of grass in the second miracle, in the New Testament. But in the first one, uh, that's when John mentioned there was much grass in uh, the place. I attend USF and I live with two other Coptic men. Sometimes we have very busy schedule and sometimes missed Zbiha or liturgy. Whenever I attend Zbiha or liturgy without them, I get asked where they are. I understand I am my brother's keeper. Uh, how can I convince my Coptic loved ones to attend Zbiha and liturgy with me? I think uh, two issues here. Uh, we should be commit the commitment to attend the liturgy and midnight praises. That's one issue. And the other issue is time management. Because as you said, we are very, very busy, have busy schedule. So if number one is there, I love this, I love liturgy, and I'm committed, I'm taking this seriously, I'm disciplined to attend the and liturgy every week. So this will make me manage my time wisely in order actually to have time to go to the liturgy and have time to go to midnight praises. I remember when I was a student, and, and in Egypt, medical school takes more time than here, believe me. But because our love to the liturgy, our love to the service, our love to my midnight praises, I don't remember that one week I skipped the midnight praises or I skipped liturgy or my service or, or the servant meeting. It, it, one, actually, I manage my time and I make my schedule. These are must in my schedule. I cannot, it's not, if I have time, I will attend. No, I work my schedule around midnight praises, around liturgy, around my service, around servant meeting. These are a must in my schedule. So commitment and time management will help you to uh, convince your Coptic friend to come with you to the liturgy and to the midnight praises. Even though we work on ourselves, we still tend to get angry, leading to yelling and bad actions. Now, do we, how do we stop this? Again, you cannot stop this without the grace of God. And angry is the easiest way to express your discomfort, but not the wise way. And you need actually to learn how 
to control and how to manage your anger, how to channel your anger. So through prayers and through some practices between uh, to help you how to manage your anger. And just one of the practices I will tell you quickly. Anger is not a reaction to the actions of the people. But angry anger is a reaction to your interpretation to the action of the people. Let me explain what I mean. If somebody entered right now and he cursed all of us, so it is the same action. But are we going to have the same response? No. Why? Because each one will interpret this action differently. If I interpret, you know, blessed are you when they persecute you and revile you, I will be happy that I'm cursed for the sake of Christ. If I said, how dare he is cursing us, I will go and hit him. If I say, nobody should curse me, I will curse him back. So my anger or my reaction is a reaction to my interpretation of the action. So one of the exercises how to manage your anger is to have a positive interpretation into the action of the other. This will help you to control your action. And usually I ask the people, if you are, مثلاً, in the office of the principal or the dean, or if Abuna or Sayyidna is visiting you, and something يعني, uh, aggravates you, are you going to lose your temper and be angry? Most of the time, no, you control your anger, which means you have the ability to control your anger. But many times you choose not to control it, and the easy way just to explode and have wrong actions. So pray as the grace of God to help you read and, and exercise anger management in your life. Then you will be able to, uh, to control your anger. Is it bad to listen to music? It's bad to listen to bad music. <laughs> Everything that is good and bad. There is bad music that will corrupt your mind, corrupt your, your soul. It's bad to listen to bad music. So listen to godly Christian music. Nothing wrong with that. If someone wants to learn about God and ask you, what do you do? Uh, if he wants to learn about God, the starting point, give him the Bible, give him the New Testament to, to read. That's how he learned about God. Then the interpretation, the commentary by early church fathers, because many people uh, interpret the Bible differently. So when they uh, read the early church fathers, uh, they will have a good understanding about who God is. Also, they put themselves, you should train or talk, tell them how to experience God through personal relationship, talking with God, not only reading about God, but communicating with God. When they communicate with God, then actually they will learn from a personal experience about God.
Can you distinguish the two verses? I can do all things through Christ. Don't tempt the Lord your God. Yes, I can do all things through Christ. He empowered me. Don't tempt the Lord your God means that I am breaking the commandment of God, then I am tempting him. Uh, you know, God made a law of gravity. If, if I jumped from the pinnacle of the temple, I will fall and be broken. So if I do this, I am tempting God. That's why when Satan asking uh, Christ to jump over the pinnacle, I don't tempt the Lord your God. But when I keep the commandment of God in my life, yes, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. How do you focus on prayer in a distracting environment? Before you pray, calm yourself. Maybe you can sing a song, uh, listen to some meditation, some reflection, read a book. So it may calm down your mind. Then you go into a room or a place that's silent and quiet. Uh, maybe you have an icon in front of you. Turn off your phone so you will not be distracted. Pray out loud uh, uh, so you can hear your voice. And then let your body participate. When you say uh, the cross or I praise you or bless you, make the sign of the cross. When you say prostration or kneeling down, you prostrate before God, beating your chest, lift up your hands. So when you let your body participate, and then you read out loud, you hear what you are saying, your eyes, even if you memorize the Agbeya, but read it with your eyes, this will give you more concentration. Definitely when you pray early in the morning before distraction, it will be much easier to concentrate. Also, don't wait until you are so tired and so sleepy to go to prayer. It will be a challenge for you to concentrate during this time. What's your spiritual routine as a bishop? You know, I have my own uh, uh, canon a spiritual canon in prayer, in scripture, fasting, prostration, and also uh, my service, visiting churches, doing visitation, administrative work, meeting with the youth. So all the service of God uh, yani, entrusted me with this service. Can your grace explain the importance of fasting Wednesday and Friday? as it's usually neglected. Then, these two days are very important days. Uh, it is a day when Jesus was betrayed and the day of crucifixion. So fasting on these days, show appreciation, gratefulness to God, and discipline, participating in the suffering of Christ. If he died on the cross for me, how can on this day I just want to enjoy the pleasure of food. So I need to discipline myself on this day and, and develop self-control. And the, one of the early, early fasts that decided by the apostles was Wednesday and Friday. Even before, like the apostles said, even before the St. Mary's fast. So this was one of the very, very fasts. That's why we fasted them like the great fast. 
without fish. So it's first degree fasting. And unfortunately, are neglected. I don't know why. It's although it is one day, and it's nothing serious, nothing. Can, it's easy for us to keep them. How to stay strong spiritually even after losing a family member? Uh, by understanding this, there is no this for your servant but a departure. It's like immigration. Like we immigrated uh, from Egypt to America, they immigrated from earth to heaven. And one day we will meet with them. And now we connect with them spiritually. Yani many people now connect with Pope Carlos, San Verena, San Mary, San George. Uh, so we know the souls of the saints are around us. St. Paul said, since we are surrounded with cloud of witnesses. So our parents or our loved one, family members, when they depart and go to heaven, we are still connected with them. Uh, the faith in the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, second coming of Christ, will help us to stay strong even after losing a family member. Is every sin forgivable? Yes, with repentance. Even blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, blasphemy means no repentance till I die. There's, there is no forgiveness. Because I die with no repentance. That's a blasphemy. That's why the blasphemy, there is no forgiveness because what's blasphemy? Blasphemy is the resistance of the work of the Holy Spirit until the person dies. That's blasphemy. Why cannot people with certain hairstyles get ordained? Because deacons should be example to the rest of the people. And we are created in the image of God. So certain hairstyles make the person the image of animals. So how you put yourself down in the image of animal, and then after you are created the image of God, for also, Muslim in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 said it is shame for a man to grow his hair. Uh, of course, unless another right like Jesus Christ, like Samson, etc. But uh, so if a person is against the teaching of the scripture and growing his hair, how can be ordained and be an example to the people? Growing the hair means submission. And uh, man is appointed to be a leader. So uh, by growing his hair, he is against the, the position that God gave him. So how can we ordain him as a leader to be a leader, a leader and a leader in the church? And uh, he is taking the form of submission. So يعني, uh, a deacon should be an example, follow the commandment of God, so follow the regulation of the church. That's why uh, some people with different hairstyle cannot be ordained until they correct their hairstyle. How do I study the Bible and study theology? In a way that spiritually benefit me and making me, my relationship with God, grow. 
I encourage you to study through early church fathers. Uh, and in, when they put here on the incarnation, there is a very wonderful book written by Saint Athanasius called The Incarnation of the Logos. And uh, all of you should read this book, all of you. Uh, and this book needs to be read more than one time. Uh, that is the, the foundation of our theology. So please read early church fathers. Please read early church fathers. And now all their books are available in, in easy English. So read them, contemplate with them. This will make you study, understand the Bible well, and also you will benefit spiritually in your life. How do you know what to choose if it is important decision, like which college to go? Again, four things. Prayer, ask God. Listen to the voice of God. Uh, get some spiritual guidance and guidance from experienced people like which major, which career and use your mind uh, what will help you to be faithful and wise in your talent and to serve the community in which uh, you are living in a way glorifying God. And at the end, uh, people don't differentiate between a career and a hobby. Career is different than hobby. A hobby cannot make a good future to you and your family and, and serve the community well. A hobby is something you practice. Like in a career, something to be able to provide for a family and to be able to serve your community. So you need to differentiate between a career and a hobby. So pray, listen to the voice of God, Get consultation, spiritual consultation from experienced people in the field that you want to study and use your mind to study the pros and cons of each decision, how to glorify God with this career and how to serve your community and to provide for your family. And at the end, actually, I answered all your question, but I'm proud of you that you could able to sit still for almost two hours. Uh, listening and take attention. So I hope the person who said, how can I sit still? Yani is one of you who is actually sitting for two hours. Uh, glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.